and they're having this conversation. And George says to, to DJ, there always can be a first time. And DJ sort of takes a deep breath and says, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> well, what I realized after I've listened to that story several times is that, that there's always a first time at Herman Miller for a lot of things. The Giant. Thinker. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. G'day Giants, it's Ram Castillo here. Welcome to episode number 40. Our guest today is truly a graphic design legend, an icon of the industry. He's had a 45-year stint at Herman Miller and was in fact hired as their first ever graphic designer in 1970, working his way up to creative director and now still with them as an advisor. His work is part of the permanent collection at the Museum of Modern Art in New York and is also an AIGA medalist. This interview was recorded in person at Grand Rapids, West Michigan in December last year. Take note, there were a few photographs sent to me by today's guest which complement a particular segment of the interview. It's a rare Herman Miller artifact, so be sure to take a look at it on this episode's blog post at giantthinkers.com. Some of the topics we spoke about include the two types of internal politics, advice for dealing with difficult people and differences of opinion, what makes poster design so powerful, and where to move towards in this ever-changing professional landscape. Now, before we dive in, I want to introduce to you an affordable, easy-to-use email marketing software that's especially beneficial for small businesses. Many listeners have asked me the question, what email service do I recommend to collect emails and broadcast weekly? It's not MailChimp, Aweber, or ConvertKit, and it's not Infusionsoft either. It's actually MailerLite. When I said affordable, MailerLite offer a free plan for up to 1,000 subscribers with no expiry date. You can use all the features, including drag and drop, autoresponders, landing pages, tracking, and the mobile app. As a comparison, if you were to have 5,000 subscribers sending unlimited emails, that would cost you $20 per month with MailerLite, while MailChimp will charge you $50 per month. That's more than double. Now, whether you're a freelancer or working full-time and have a side hustle, or whether you run a large company, MailerLite can accommodate for you as they've done with their existing 200,000 plus customers in over 72 countries, including BMW, GoPro, FWA, Typeform and IKEA. Head to MailerLite, that's MailerLite.com to set up your free account. Alrighty, strap yourself in. I present to you a dear friend and the ultimate veteran, Steve Frickhome. Steve Frickhome, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast. How are you today? Terrific. Other than this snowstorm we're having outside. To paint a picture for the audience, I am in uh, Steve's beautiful condo in downtown Grand Rapids. And 
it is pissing down snow. <laughs> it's crazy. I hope you get out of town tomorrow. Looks like, <laughs> looks like Eastern Europe. Or if, you, if you don't get out of town, give me a call. We'll go to a movie or something. <laughs> Mate, um, it's so great to uh, be here face to face. It's, it's uh, an honor to uh, do this interview in person. Um, thank you for sharing your time and, and being generous with your space. First off, I have an icebreaker question for you. If you had to pick just one, what would be your favorite Herman Miller product? Oh, that's probably a pretty easy one. My favorite Herman Miller product is my George Nelson miniature chest. Mm. And I uh, first received it when I celebrated my 25th anniversary with the wow. company. They usually give a person a, a gold watch. Well, I didn't want a gold watch. I had a perfectly fine watch. <laughs> and so I said to myself, what would I rather have? And we had just reintroduced the Nelson miniature chest. So I said, I want one of those. And I wanted it because I felt that Nancy also shared in my career. Mm. So I said, to, I, I wrote the, the letter to the person who's in charge of gifts for your 25th anniversary. I said, I'd like a Nelson chest. I don't want to watch. And I told her why. And um, I said, and I'll pay the difference because I knew the chest would probably be more expensive, even at an employee price. Mm. So they finally agreed to do it. So I got my chest, and it was in the room where the, the CEO, Kerm Campbell, was going to come in and present what he thought was my gold watch. And when he came in, he said to this one of the people handling the celebration, so where's the watch? <laughs> she had to explain to him that Frickholm didn't want a watch. He wanted a Nelson chest. That's great. So... That's what I received, and, and the reason it's probably my favorite is because of maybe that story, but also I figured if, if uh, the place ever caught fire, you know, they always say, you know, do you take your pictures? What would you take? Mm. I would take my Nelson chest. Wow. Even though I could get another one. Is this chest available for purchase? Uh, yes. Like in, for the public? Uh, you mean my personal one? No, <laughs> it's not. But the other thing... My, well, I say because I, I didn't know that Herman Miller made that type of Well, um, I'll, show you, I'll show you the chest when we're done with the interview and how we customized it. Okay. Because I asked for a few extra additional ah. uh, drawer dividers. It comes with six drawers and I wanted to divide them so I had little two-by-two two cubicles inside the drawer for cufflinks or pins. How or big something. are we talking is this? Just so, just so the... Uh... Well, bring, bring, your, bring your phone. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll just show We're it on to the move. you. We're on the move. We I'll, are literally I'll being... just show you the chest seeing how you're up in my condo. Uh, this is hilarious. I'm actually walking. This is the chest. Now with okay. Steve. So oh, okay. it's the miniature chest. It has brass feet. It, uh, I think this was maybe the last of the rosewood before they went into something more sustainable. And then I, I made this. Kind of, the, the six drawers came with one of these dividers. Wow. I wanted more because I shared it with Nancy's jewelry and stuff. 
And then we lined the bottom of the drawer with leather. So when you'd put cufflinks and things down in the little cubicle, Got it. it was soft. And then my group gave me this uh, piece of uh, precious stone with uh, some uh, engraving on it. And so I keep that too. Great. What I'll do for the listeners, those listening, I will take take a photo of it and I'll upload it onto the blog post. Yeah, that sounds Um, good. That's great. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Um, So that's my favorite piece. I mean, I have other favorites. The chaise is a favorite. My lounge chairs are a favorite. The aluminum group chairs are a favorite. Uh, Walnut stool. I mean, I got a lot of stuff. LTR tables. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around me. It is literally like a Herman Miller showroom exhibition. It's, it's great. And I'm looking at uh, a lot of Steve's work on the walls and, and, his, and his work that some people don't even know exists. That's great, Steve. So uh, f- for the listeners, where would you say your expertise lies? My expertise lies in um, ideas. I mean, I guess some might call it strategy, um, but I I really um, think I'm good at coming up with good, solid ideas for design solution, whether it's an annual report, whether it's a poster, whether it's a product brochure, whether it's an asset that's going on the website. I try to be pretty thorough about Who's the audience? What's our intent? What what do we hope the expectations or the the results will be by spending time doing this project? Uh, And I also truly enjoy the craft of execution. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little about your childhood and how you grew up? Well, I was born in Seattle. Where are you? I didn't know that. Yeah. The city you're going to I'm, tomorrow. I'm going there tomorrow. <laughs> I was born in Seattle, but we didn't spend much time there when I was a baby because my, my father uh, got transferred to New York City. We lived outside of New York in Hackensack, New Jersey. And then he got transferred again when I was in the second grade to the middle of the country, Kansas City. Mm. And... Uh, we so from those were my formative years really living in kansas uh kansas city on the kansas side and it was i had a good upbringing in kansas i enjoyed the values of mid-america and uh when i graduated from high school my parents then uh, dad was transferred again back to new york city and i was off to pursue my own journeys in life, Uh, undergraduate school, Peace Corps, graduate school. What did your uh, folks do? Uh, My dad was an accountant. Mm -hmm. My mother was a housewife until she decided uh, that maybe a second job would be helpful to to the family's budget. So she signed up to, she was, she was trained as a elementary school teacher. And so she was active in the PTA and things like that as I was growing up. But, uh, so she decided to go back to school and apparently the, the people who ran the school were impressed with her. So they hired her and gave her, <laughs> gave her a job 
And so during the summer vacations, I'd go to business college with my mom. She did her job and I went to class and I learned how to type and, you know, stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Uh, Now, there's a saying that I've been really projecting and and broadcasting, um, which is persistence trumps circumstance. Persistence trumps circumstance. Yeah. Would you define circumstance as serendipity or constraint? I, I would say constraint. Constraint. Um, in, in the context of a lot of what I get during Q&A, for example, um, there's a lot of real, not just excuses, but real um, struggles, mm. um, whether that be internal or external, whether that be um, within oneself or even within one's own family or community. Um, so, All of the above. Yeah, yeah. So have you got any practical advice when it comes to persisting during difficult times of things like multiple rejections, failed attempts, you know, even even if it's self-inflicted? <laughs> I, I have a, a, one of my presentations that I do these days. Or, uh, it's titled... Uh, there can always be a first time. And that was a lesson that, that uh, I heard George talk about with our founder, Herman Miller's founder, DJ Dupree, when he proposed to do a catalog back in 1948. And it was coming in at a very expensive price. <clears throat> and DJ's given him all sorts of trouble. You know, I thought you knew, George, we don't have that kind of money. I thought you knew, George, that nobody in this industry charges for their literature. I thought you knew, George, and he goes on, and they're having this conversation, and George says to to DJ, there always can be a first time. And DJ sort of takes a deep breath and says, okay, we'll do it. (laughs) Well, what I've realized after I've listened to that story several times is that, that there's always a first time at Herman Miller for a lot of things. A lot of successful products, the air on chair, action office, uh, participative management. I mean, a lot of firsts. Eames' molded plywood chairs. I mean, the list goes on. And and uh, But anyway... It, 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 this stuff doesn't happen easily. With <laughs> It's a lot of hard work and persistence. And, and anyway, I was talking about this presentation, but I, I basically give maybe 10, if I, I have 25 lessons that I've learned through my career that I find that uh, might be helpful to, to younger designers or even designers who may not have even thought about some of this stuff. But one of, one of them is... Uh, we have to be resilient to rejection. And rejection could be those constraints. It could just be told, no, I don't like your solution or, you know, something going amok at home. I mean, it, it, you just have to... Uh, <laughs> I, I want to... I show some empathy to those folks that have a lot right. of an undue amount of this crap in their life. But it's like this blizzard we're having. I, I know there's going to be sunshine <laughs> one of these days. So you have to just 
stay with it. Believe in yourself. Believe in your ideas. Uh, trust your gut. Get some supporters. Get some, I call them guardian angels. I believe everyone in a, in a design studio or, or a corporate life, in my case, a guardian angel comes in handy every now and then. That's beautiful. Um, I, I love the, the blizzard analogy because... Um, I just think that um, in the blizzard, it is, it is the moment that, that a lot of people can focus on, which is it's cold, it's freezing, it's uncomfortable. Mm. But as you just touched on and inferred, the blizzard does pass. The blizzard, uh, it's a little slower to pass in Michigan and in the north of Ram. You, oh, you don't realize that. I'm, I'm going to post a photo of the of the view as well for the listeners, so so make sure you head to the blog post. Well, the, the photo you want, I was hoping this would get so strong today we couldn't see the ground. <laughs> then, you, then you're like really in it. So, Steve, uh, you have been... Uh, in Herman Miller for, you know, we're talking over 45 years now and, of course, have experienced uh, many organizational ups and downs. Uh, what's your point of view on internal politics? And in your experience, how can we maintain focus on the greater good? Well, as I briefly mentioned, Graham, to you yesterday or the day before, mm. it's really been great spending some time with you. Thank you, Steve. Anyway, uh, I learned that the politics, I'm glad I'm not teaching in a university because I think academia politics probably are worse than corporate politics. But that's a fact of life. The politics are there. And I find or have discovered, you know, that if I see a political animal amongst us at work, another employee, they are either using politics to cover their rear end or to make something happen. And to see a very competent employee use politics to get something to happen is amazing. I mean, it, it, it's a gift. It's a special skill. They're wired to do it. And, and uh, it, it's a matter of, of uh, sharing their ideas, sharing their, their thoughts about the work they're working on, getting people to enroll with them in their mission. It's like uh, dreaming about the results that could happen as a result of doing this. Uh, all sorts of, or, of, of uh, reasons. Well, you know, they're just, I don't know. It's just wonderful to see it happen. If that makes any sense. I don't know if it makes sense. And then you've got these people that are just covering their ass or protecting themselves or scared to death, you know, or intimidated or, or afraid, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, I bring this up because uh, for those listeners, I, I was fortunate enough for Steve to pick me up, uh, literally um, drive to my hotel early in the morning as we we headed to Herman Miller for one of the events. I mean, you don't know how special I was. Oh, I'm... I do not do <laughs> 8 o'clock meetings anymore. Right. And this was a 6.15 departure from your 
won't tell. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I thought it was a great trip uh, just chatting with you. I, did, I, I, I thought about it later. God, I wasn't even focused on my driving, and that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve's a great driver, and, and I have had the best time with Steve. Um, and, and one of the questions I asked him in the car, and, and don't get me wrong, this is I totally know how rare. <laughs> I, I had uh, with one-on-one time with Steve um, and, and one of the questions was that and, and Steve, um, again, has put it very, very simply in that there's two types of politics, politics where you're covering one's ass and then politics where um, it's actually required for, for the greater good. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you, you uh, cleared that up. Um, so second part to this kind of theme is what do you think is the best way to deal with difficult people in the organization or workplace that we're in? So I get this question quite a lot as well. You know, it's how do you deal with differences of whether it's differences in opinion or challenging um, confrontations or, yeah, just how do you deal with that when there's multiple people in the kitchen? I've found over the years... You're not going to be a good pal with everybody. Mm. But we have to work with people. That's how work gets done. We don't, we're not solo performers, and or rarely can we perform solo. Um, try not to take issues personally. Try to stay focused on the project and what you're working on. Um, ask you ask you, the, the the ask for help from these people. Get them involved. Value their their opinions. I mean, show them respect. Uh, roll up your sleeves together and work toward a mutual goal and i found that people that i thought geez where is this person coming from i just can't work with this person and after you start working with these people and seeing results and knowing that we did it together some have actually become good friends but are not easy sometimes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes if it, it's just intolerable, uh, I'll just uh, bow out. Yeah. When all else fails, get another canoe to get in. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's certainly not easy, but I think um, I guess the, the the part two to that is you have to stay in it. You have to feel it, and you have to, I guess. Not, not run away. Yeah, you can't run away. And I think, I think you know, the, one of the most useful courses I took for development probably was uh, interpersonal skills. You know, and, and a, a, a brief introduction to Myers-Briggs personality types uh, helps one understand why we are wired differently. And uh, how, you know, what are the needs? For example, if, if you're uh, 
Myers-Briggs is different than mine. You have certain working traits. I have certain working traits, certain working traits. It's best if you, if I know what makes you tick, you know what makes me tick, it can work a lot better. What makes you tick? You know, what, what'll get you upset? Uh, and so you avoid those or you play those. Right. Well, in, in getting to that point, you would have to have the conversation, wouldn't you not? Or would you just have to rely on your own intuition? I guess it depends. Yes. Or you, both. You, you, both. But the, the more one would know about Myers-Briggs, for example, you can figure it out. Sure. Now, I'm not an expert. Yeah. I, I, we were lucky at Herman Miller for a period of time. We had one of the top experts in Myers-Briggs. Got it. He was really good. I mean, he, he, he was good. And there are other there are other sort of methodologies also along this line. So it's just one. Awesome. So Steve, during my talk at Herman Miller, uh, which you sat front row in, uh, I, I spoke about how to get a mentor. And after my presentation, uh, there was something that I, I very much cherished. And you came up to me and said, "Thank you. I learned so much and was exactly what I needed." Um, so firstly, I appreciate that very deeply. Um, I'm very honored. And secondly, what's your view on continuous learning? Um, and, and ultimately, how does ego hinder greatness? Because a lot of people might think, Steve, that you know, that you know, well, you know, they're, 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 you've learned you know, everything in the book. And, and I, that's why I was so moved by that. I, well, I've got three, three thoughts. First of all, you noticed I was in the second row. And I think other than Anne, who came in and sat next to me, we were the only two in the front row. Right, yeah. I can't figure out why people don't sit up front. You can hear better. I almost made a comment. I said, hey, it's a small group. We're all friends. Come on up front. The view's good. <laughs> See the slides? You can hear better. Yeah. And I, I mean, I used to be one of those sit-in-the-back persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially like at AIGA conference in Vegas, mm. I, said, I just said to the people I was with, well, second row, first row, come on, let's get up front so we can actually see the person and not look at the mega screen. Like last night when we went to the ballet. So yeah, Steve yeah. and I went to yeah. the ballet and we saw the Nutcracker, there was a symphony, and we were almost, you know, all the way out the front there, right in the middle. And Steve just said, it was, uh, if you're going to go to a show or going to go to an event, might as well. <laughs> get the best seats you can get. <laughs> anyway, so, so the other question uh, was what? It was... Uh, What's your view on continuous learning? And- oh, well, I mean, life would be a bore for me if I wasn't continuously learning something. I'm a curious individual. Mm. Uh, I like to travel. I like to have new experiences. Um, I mean, it's fun to learn. How old are you now, Steve? If you don't I'm mind 74. Me there you go. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, it gives me a little vitality. It gives me... You know, I just... I, and so t- associated to that, that knowledge that, that many accumulate um, is, is sometimes, let's just be, let's call a spade a spade. Sometimes there's an ego there that can be hindering um, more diversity, more inclusion, all sorts of things. 
I think I think egos can either be harmful or helpful. Mm. I think I think one needs some For sure. ego yep. to take risks to to. Uh, so what's the? Can you define what you would say is helpful or hindering? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's some individuals that have an overinflated ego. Got it. You know, okay. you can't. You, they, they're just, you know, they're a piece of work. Um, there are others that have a healthy ego that allows them, you know, to do, I think, do what they do. But but uh, it's persistence. It's a belief. It's a, it's, uh, I don't know. Well, I think um, you, you're right. You need to have a certain amount of ego to um, believe in your ideas, yeah. to fight for them to, in to some degree. But, um, yeah, I think you, you said, it, said it perfectly. Well, you know, that's interesting. I, uh, talk about fight for your ideas, if I can digress a minute. Go for it. I try to, when I say I finish a, a project, um, have a presentation, I like to allow myself time between when I finish and when I present. So I become emotionally detached or I listen better in the meeting, especially if I might perceive it as a critical comment. If I were, if I were, had just finished it, and I had my blood, sweat, and tears in it. I mean, you get defensive. You're not going to listen. So I like that. And I mean, I remember in the early days of my career, I'd be pressing down press type in the back of the car on my comp as someone was driving to the meeting. There's no way to work, okay? And it took me a little while to be able to manage my time to finish or Another another idea is remember your first meeting is where the conversation really begins. Especially after a client sees something, a rough, a comp, something, it's usually gonna change. Because then they can imagine what 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 it is. Another thing about introverts and extroverts. Introverts can visualize in their mind an idea from narration. I've been told that extroverts need to see something. They, they can't visualize too much. That was helpful, too, in my career. So I've learned to not, not be so precious about my first presentation because it's a conversation starter. And usually more ideas might be more helpful. Uh, to, to, to get the client, to get the other people on the team to really zero in on the criteria and expectations that we hope will happen. I think that's a really golden tip about the time between when you finish mm. and when you present because truth be told, and, I, and that me included, I don't do that. I don't really give it a substantial amount of time it's usually I'm finishing a good couple of hours before, mm. but rarely, let's say, two days. That'd be a luxury. Oh, Jeez. two days would really be nice. That'd be a luxury, wouldn't it? And uh, 
Is that the amount of time that you would say is is kind of detaching yourself a little bit? Uh, for me, an hour, uh, not an hour, an hour is not good enough. A day at least. <laughs> a day, a day okay. at least. Correct. Uh, or the other thing is, see, a lot of times when I'm executing a comp, it's being tweaked as I go. Mm. Now, if I am set on the solution, the execution at that point is not so emotional. But if I'm continually tweaking the idea mm. to make it better, or I'll say, oh, why didn't I think of that? We're starting over, start over. And, and that's when you really have the emotion in it is when you're really believing in the idea that you're going to present. So this kind of ties into the next question. Uh, I wanted to chat about poster design. Your work is renowned in the graphic design industry. The famous corn cob poster, of course, appears in MoMA in New York, and it's right there in front of us in your in your condo here. Um, and Steve, tell us about the art of poster design, even a little bit. You know, what's your connection to this communication platform? What do you love about poster design? Actually, you know. Uh, poster design. Personally, okay. Say I say I have to, a project to do, like a brochure for a new product. Sometimes I'll start with a poster because the poster. Not that I'll do a poster, but, it, but doing a poster because I believe posters are the best if they're more simple or you get to the root of the idea or the root of the message quickly. And so I'm saying, okay, what's most important about this thing that I want to do a poster on or a brochure on? I do a poster so I can prioritize different messages that might want to be in that brochure, but which ones are key? So let's do a poster. Or it gets you the hierarchy. Does it make any sense? Totally. That's great. It it's, uh, makes total sense. It's getting the bare bones, getting the... Getting, getting to the bare bones, yeah. Getting yeah. To, to, to the... To the, the core the, ingredients. The, the, uh, the getting to the... Uh, what's a food analogy? <laughs> getting rid of the walnut shell and getting to the meat of the nut. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> So, Steve, have you got any advice for those that are emerging designers or established designers struggling to answer the question, where do I move towards next in this ever-changing professional landscape? What's, why what's would you want to move unless you're miserable? Mm -hmm. Or why would you want to move or would you, do you want to move because you're not learning anymore? Or do you want to move because you don't like your boss? Or do you want to move? I mean, a lot of times you have to ask yourself, well, why, do, why am I restless? Why do I want to move? Mm -hmm. uh, have you done the score sheet? Okay, here are the good things about my current job. Here are the bad things about my current job. Okay, where would you like to go next? What would the score sheet look like? Get yourself an interview. Get inside the corporation. I believe anybody looking for a new job somewhere should do an incredible amount of research about that firm before you send them a resume. Mm. I mean, man, especially if you get an opportunity to have an interview, I hope you know a lot about that organization. 
You read everything you can read about it. Look at their website. Look at, I mean, you know, really get to know. Right. Yeah. And, and let's say it's a mixed bag of everything you said that they're unhappy with all these things, mm. in, including just the sheer fact that. Try another career. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, get, right. do something else. If, if everything's bad, I mean, wow. Well, yeah. I, I, I often say to people, it's like spaghetti. You, you grab the spaghetti, you chuck it on the wall and you see what sticks. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people maybe are not willing to just try or be exposed to other career, whether it's different design disciplines or total career change. Um, how, how can they be more about this is good that I'm trying all these things so that I can see what I want to do next mm. versus, and I'm telling you, a lot of people uh, who I've been getting messages by are saying, I've invested so much time in this thing to pivot is a loss. So I'm just going to, I'd rather be like this, flat-ish, hoping that it'll get better than, than kind of going out there into the world. Well, and, my you know. perspective on that is it's not a waste. You, you learn something there. Apply it to your next opportunity somehow. It's, it's, a not, it's not yeah. a waste. I mean, in a small town like Grand Rapids, say, interview people on occasion and they say, oh, they want to stay in West Michigan. Right, perfect example. I say, yeah. well, why do you want to stay in West Michigan? Well, my family's here. I'm comfortable here. I like the cultural events here. I like art prize. Who knows what they're going to say? But every once in a while, in the course of a conversation, you find out that they enjoy taking a vacation in San Francisco or New York or a bigger place or a more exciting place, perhaps, than Grand Rapids. So I say to them, or I advise them, I say, now listen, listen to yourself talking. You're really admiring San Francisco. Why don't you go out there and look for a job? You can always come back. If it doesn't work out, you know? Spot on. Like the worst that can happen is actually not that bad. What's the worst that can yeah. happen? Absolutely. It might actually be a, a, a give you a boost of energy, mm -hmm. a burst of energy. A few more questions for you, Steve. Uh, this one I ask most of my guests. If you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to junior Steve Frickholm, perhaps the Steve finishing high school, what would you tell him? It's been a great career for me. Maybe you'll have the same luck. Fantastic. <laughs> Who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, that person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential? I mentioned Tibor Coleman the other evening. Mm -hmm. I think the, the, the crew at Pentagram are smart people. Mm. Um, some of the young people I won't name any names but every once in a while you, you, you see a diamond in the rough and you enjoy being with these people they inspire you or they inspire me because their ideas are fresh they're naive they're innocent uh, and they get excited about them beautiful so, uh, Steve, this episode uh, will air at the beginning of 
next year. So currently it's 2016, but we're winding down. 2017, what's next for you um, from that point and, and in the near future? Well, I hope I'm good for a few more years. Uh, <laughs> you look great. By the way, everyone, Steve looks great. I, uh, <laughs> I'm working on some things right now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm discovering the last few weeks that the pattern, my pattern when I was working full-time is definitely different than my pattern when I'm working uh, for Herman Miller, only 25% of my time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 the adjustment is, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a different pattern of life, and I'm, I'm getting comfortable with that other pattern. And, but it is a little different. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that, I'm working on that, and I'm working on some design, personal design projects right now too. Fantastic. How can listeners get in touch with you? Uh, How can who get in touch with me? Listeners. If listeners. They wanted to, How can listeners get in touch yeah. with me? That's a good question. You got got Twitter? Fi- Have you got Twitter, Steve? They've got to find me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not on Twitter. I don't, I, I'm, what have you got, Steve? I'm, I'm not on social media. Are you on Snapchat? No, I'm not, I'm not on anything. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I'm talking like a Luddite, but I, I, I would rather spend my time... Uh, meeting people face-to-face, getting to really know them uh, rather than superficially, and maybe you can do this on, on social media. Um, but I find that un- un- unless I would find it extremely useful. Great. Wait, no, that's good. Other ways to spend my time. <laughs> you value your time. I'd rather go to a movie. Mind you, guys, um, when, when Steve and I went to the valet last night, he, he didn't even bring his phone. He left his phone. That, I was quite impressed by that. <laughs> Very impressed. Now, that's, that's the way that uh, that's how you really turn off and uh, enjoy the valet. Exactly right. But, you know, I lied because I realized when I took my coat off last night when I got home, it was in my <laughs> oh, <was it? laughs> suit pocket. <laughs> Fortunately, I had silent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Steve, it's been great hanging out with you. Hey, it's been great for me, man. Um, thank you for your time. Hope we get together again soon. Yes, I, I've had such a blast hanging with Steve. Um, very spoiled and will not take this for granted. And hopefully for those listeners that you got to enjoy this little conversation too. So thank you, Steve. I'm shaking your hand right now. Right now. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ram. Been a pleasure. That's a wrap, Giants. I hope you found that interview both useful and entertaining. Feel free to share this episode with a friend or a loved one if you feel it'd benefit them. And if you're feeling extra generous, I would really appreciate an iTunes review. It'd help get the show in front of more people who need advice on their journey. Head to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review. A little teaser for the next one. She is many amazing things. A few titles under her humble belt include her as the former creative director of the White House, design exponent at Automatic, editorial board member for Design Observer, and national board member for AIGA. Now, before you race off, as mentioned at the beginning, I highly recommend you check out Mailer Light, especially if you're a freelancer or a small business owner. I believe it's the best solution for your email marketing needs. What I personally think sets Melalite ahead of the rest is their impeccable customer service. They are lightning fast in getting back to any question you may have, and it feels like you have another team member on board. 
head to mailerlite.com. That's mailerlite.com to try out their service for free. I'll leave you with this quote that I loved from Steve when he spoke about emerging designers. Their ideas are fresh, they're naive, they're innocent, and they get excited about them. Thank you, Steve, for that reminder. Giants, stay hungry and stay excited. Be well, and I'll catch you on the next episode. 